You're listening to DAV Radio Los Angeles. The People Station. Three. Tuned into the Navarro Miller Report, featuring the hottest in news, entertainment, sports, and all those topics for the mainstream audience. The Navarro Miller Report. Even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Navarro Miller Report right here on DAVI Radio Los Angeles, the spot where you get all your news, sports, entertainment, and everything else under the sun. I'm your host, Dave Navarro. And I'm Jeremy Miller. And happy Martin Luther King Day uh, to everyone out there. You just heard Dr. King's very famous I Have a Dream speech. Uh, man, every time I hear that speech, it's so inspirational. It's, it's incredible. Uh, and it's, it's also, in a sense, it's also a little bit sad because even though, even though years have passed and we have progressed a lot, we're still there's still so much that we need to fix in our in our in in just in our society really jeremy well it it's true and you know as as wonderful and as 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 great as martin luther king's work was and as far forward as it brought us yeah we we are nowhere close to where we need to be and um you know it was it was a weird time i mean i wasn't alive for all of that but you know, doing my history, doing my research, all that kind of stuff, you know, losing Martin Luther King and then losing Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. Set this country back so drastically when it comes to civil rights. And we could have made so much more progress with the two of them continuing. And I don't mean this as any disrespect to Dr. King, but he died and became a martyr for the movement. Had we not lost Bobby, in my opinion, things would have continued to still move forwards. Things would have kept progressing in Dr. King's memory and with Bobby Kennedy's vision. Um, but we lost both of them, you know, and- It was deliberate. No, it, was, uh, it was totally I, deliberate. I have no doubt. I really have no doubt it was deliberate, but you know, it, it changed the path we were on, you know, it did. So we've, we've had a much slower path to coming together than I think we really would have had those two things not happened. Agreed. And I mean, I'm just, I'm just happy that we have come a little bit further than obviously than back then, but you know, it's just after the whole George Floyd thing and after so many other incidents that have occurred in the past two years, actually, uh, and probably, and and also just in the past, you know, like even longer than I've been alive, really, uh, the injustices that have gone on. If there's still, there's again, there's just still so much more that we have to fix uh, in our society, which I'm hoping that you know, with this new generation, it, you know, especially a generation of technology, uh, where we can actually see everything that happens. I mean, could you imagine? before you know pre-internet pre-everything every you know the things that others could have gotten away with i mean it was inhuman almost well, it was completely it's a, a double-edged sword in that 
you know, yes, people aren't getting away with this stuff quite as easily. I mean, as we know with, you know, Ahmed Aubrey, chances are had that video not been leaked, those murderers would never have been brought to justice. Agreed. The racist sheriffs would have just accepted their racist excuse and, you know, they would have moved on. But the other side of that is with social media and with everything being so viral now, those those intolerant ideas are spread so much more easily. That's very true. You're right. That, about that. You know, that's the that's the double edged sword of it Agreed. is that we are in a really bad place as a country right now because of social media. And I'm not just say, oh, social media is all evil, all that kind of thing. It's just that back in the day, if you wanted to be a racist and tell people your ideas, your reach was about as far as your local town. Very true. Okay? You know, that was that was really your reach. Now you can literally influence people across the country, across the globe with your inane, asinine ideas. And and people, you know, can find that information and buy in. So it's it's a very double-edged sword. It has had some benefits, and it has brought a lot of this to the forefront. But it's also helped spread this intolerance. So uh, it's it's a it's a tough situation, man. It's it's very tough. But I mean, luckily, uh, like as you said, social media also helps out in many ways, including in uh, in a in a recent way actually i mean we have been keeping everybody apprised to uh a certain situation involving a truck driver uh that has he's been all over the news actually a truck driver uh that was sentenced to 110 years of prison but now his sentence was commuted by the governor to 10 years uh after that first sentencing and there's another new update that you found out about jeremy just recently Yes, um, the judge in the case actually issued a statement and is extremely disappointed in the governor's decision. Um, it would appear the judge was bothered by the 10 years that he feels it was not enough. It was brought down too low, but also they had a, a resentencing hearing scheduled for four days after the governor commuted the sentence the governor knew they had a resentencing hearing coming up where all the facts would be looked at and the sentence would be brought down and sounds judge, like a political sounds like a political move by the governor that's what it sounds like to me as well yeah. and the judge is not happy with that he acknowledged it's the governor's right to commute sentences he has every right to do this but when we have an actual resentencing hearing scheduled for a few days later this was an inappropriate time for the governor to have gone ahead and done that with, you know, basically no facts. He didn't have access to the case files, uh, nothing like that. So I kind of agree with the judge on this. I mean, I, I, I feel that the governor should have stayed out of it. You know, they were having a resentencing hearing. The judge had stated from the very beginning that his hands were tied in the original sentencing because of the state's laws, but that they would revisit this verdict. But at the same time, but at the same time, Jeremy, I mean, the people were asking the governor to go ahead and do something about it. And he did. So, I mean, technically, I they, I they asked for it. I understand that they asked the governor to do something, but things were already in motion. That's the point. Things were already in motion. It was being done. It was being handled and it was being handled properly. Mm hmm. You know, 10 years, as we talked about when that was announced, in my opinion, is too low for loss of it life. Is. It was, it was, especially, especially, uh, especially after, with after hearing, yeah, after hearing yeah. that, that there's more, there was more evidence that the guy lied about certain things and he shouldn't have been behind the wheel to begin with. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of interesting factors. You know, the guy lied on his application about his experience, all kinds of stuff like that. So no, he shouldn't have been behind the wheel of this big rig in the first place. And again, 10 years, when you count time off with good behavior, this guy could be walking around in five years. Less. You know, in, in yeah, in less than five years. And I mean, think about how that makes the people feel who lost a loved one. I mean, I how mean, would you how would you feel if you lost your mother, your father, your brother? Great. 
No, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be devastated. I'd be very angry. And the guy's, and the guy's gonna walk in five years. I mean, that's, that is a travesty to me. You know, I, I was on board with this clemency, not clemency thing, but with them, you know, adjusting the sentence. I did feel that 110 years was way excessive, Mm -hmm. but knowing all the you know at least some of the factors now and the ways that he was at fault um yeah i think the governor definitely overstepped here especially knowing that the judge and all the people who had all the facts were going to be appropriately dealing with this in a couple of days so it definitely seems like a political move it seems like a little bit of grandstanding on the governor's part um but yeah, the judge just felt it was very, very disrespectful of the court's power and knowledge of the case to go ahead and kind of cut their legs out from under them when they were already going through this process. And the thing is that the judge can't really do anything about it now because it's a, it was a governor decision. So Exa- yeah. the judge can't They're- go back and say, hey, we, we got to this isn't going to happen. I mean, they can't do anything now. Now his hands are really tied. Yeah, there's no recourse at this point. I mean, the governor, it's just like getting a, you know, a presidential pardon. There's no, there's no recourse after that. So this is it. This guy will serve 10 years and that will be it. 10 years. Again, he'll be out in about three. I guarantee you that because A, prisons are overpopulated and B, I mean, this wasn't, this wasn't a crime that he, you know, he committed out of malice he didn't intend to do any of this yeah granted he shouldn't have been behind the wheel but i mean he really he didn't intend to kill these people that wasn't his intention so he'll probably be out in less than that but still there was like you said there was loss of life uh there was i mean the the sentence was way too extreme to begin with but also 10 years for a man that should have known what he was doing it's almost like involuntary manslaughter it's the same thing I mean, this person didn't know what they were doing behind the wheel. They lied in their application. That's something that caught that deserves consequences. And ten years isn't enough for a cut for this type of a consequence. And as you know, I was, I was, I was at first before I heard everything else that was going on. Before I heard that it was factual that he actually lied on his application. I, I was very against any type of punishment period because again because of my dad being a uh, former truck driver and everything Mm -hmm. i know how hard their job is but at the same time my dad he deserved that class a license that he had i mean he went to school for it he studied for it he spent years behind the wheel uh, of a big rig i mean he deserved that that license and he got it and he treasured that license but this man he didn't he had no business being behind the wheel and so granted 100 and 110 years was too much but i mean i would have said maybe double the 10 years to 20 and you know he'd be adding about what 10 yeah i i honestly i mean if you if you want to talk about what feels just you know 20 years out in 10 definitely feels more punitive and more appropriate for the situation um you know 10 years again when you take in time off with good behavior and this was loss of life it just it seems like a slap on the wrist agreed agreed well i mean uh let us know i mean i i'm pretty sure this is the end of that of that story at this point but uh i'm pretty sure there's probably gonna be more stuff that's gonna appear off of that so you know if you can't keep us posted on that one as well jeremy but uh I mean, it doesn't really matter anyway. It's already the end of the world. I mean, there's already volcano, a volcano erupting like off the Tongan Islands. I mean, we're, we're pretty please. much screwed anyway. Oh, please. <laughs> Dude, I mean, okay. So obviously a lot of people know that an underwater volcano near Tonga erupted last week. It's erupted three times in the last four days. I mean, there's more eruptions and there's also tsunami warnings for everybody, every one of us here on the Pacific Coast. Uh, in in uh, there's tsunami warnings in uh, in uh, Hawaii, California, etc. And there there was even uh, video actually. There was actually video of a of a small, not a huge one, not like the one in Sri Lanka, obviously, but a small tsunami that pretty much came all the way through. I mean, these people were on the roofs as they saw the water just go right through. I mean. I'm telling you, I saw I saw footage of today's eruption. It looked unreal. It looked like a like an atomic bomb went off, a big old cloud of smoke. I even saw a lightning 
uh, a lightning uh, ray just hit that freaking that that uh, volcano, and I'm like, wow, we're we're all gonna die. <laughs> like it's crazy, man. You do realize that's what volcanoes do; they erupt. I know that. I mean, and they erupt all the time. They're constantly releasing pressure. It's just like, let me let me put this in California terms for oh you. God, like totally. No, let me put this in California <laughs> terms for you because earthquakes are something we understand out here. Very true. Okay, it's just like the fact that we have you know a hundred earthquakes a day that we don't ever hear about, we don't ever feel, we don't ever know because they're all one point something, you know, under two. They're they're constantly happening because of the movement of the plates and all that kind of stuff. It's the same thing with the volcanoes. And when one erupts, it creates seismic vibration, which can create more eruptions, so on and so forth. But the area we're talking about is literally called the Ring of Fire. That is what it is known as. It is an area of massive, gigantic underground volcanoes that completely encircle that area of islands and water. It's called the Ring of Fire. This is what it does. Okay, I mean, it's I, this is not the end of the world. This is nature. This is this is how nature works. You gotta love a smarty pants that know that pretty much sticks his head in encyclopedias all the freaking time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, every, you know what's funny is that every time you say the Ring of Fire, it reminds me of Finding Nemo. Ring Finding of Fire. Ring of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of my favorite movies, man. I love that movie. Same here. <laughs> but I mean, it's still it's still a little it's still a little scary because I mean, if, if you know that if you if a volcano is erupting underwater, if there's there's eruptions, that must mean that there's a lot of pressure going on there. And I'm always scared of the next earthquake here in California, to be honest with you. Well, again, we we have this kind of thing moving and happening all the time, and the Pacific area is the most frequent for you know um earthquake and volcanic volcanic action so it's normal but yeah it is a little scary i mean this happened the first eruption was four or five days ago and the surge which is what they call the energy wave that happens underwater that helps create the tsunami wouldn't hit the west coast until 8 a.m this morning so Which that, was probably like a little tight like it was probably just a little a little like extra waves i guess well uh, they don't they, I, I don't know i haven't read the reports of what actually came in but because of the amount of energy that gets built in a tsunami and the under underwater surge of power it actually tends to gain power and strength as it goes almost like an avalanche it gains speed it gains power so again it is conceivable that an eruption could happen there and four days later you could have a massive tsunami hitting the west coast so that's a frightening thought it is but tell it's, me about it but it's nature i mean it is it's it just is i mean if if mount helena you know exploded and went on a full eruption today everything from washington all the way down to sacramento would be covered in ash and lava and we and they'd die because that that's, right there that smoke is just inhaling that smoke right. would just cover up your lungs well that's what i mean so i mean mother nature can wipe every one of us out as whenever you know she feels like it. this is something we live with every single day this is this one doesn't seem like anything that out of the ordinary when you have like i said a lot of volcanoes in one area when you get a, an eruption or a release of pressure you get seismic reaction which can trigger other eruptions so it's not unheard of it's actually very common um but yeah it is a little scary because if something goes wrong or the right set of circumstances come together it could turn into something very catastrophic you know on a very large level it's so wonderful to hear the calming soothing sounds of jeremy miller <laughs> on the Mar Miller report. It's okay. It's nature. It's fine. A hundred foot tsunami is going to come our way, but we're okay. It's fine. <laughs> that's I didn't what say it is like. coming that's our way. So, that sounds like that. That is just so freaky, man. How calm you are about it. I'd be like, well, then again, I am a drama queen. So. Well, you, you are our, our resident drama queen. <laughs> no, dude, like I said, it's just, it's, it we're is. Not gonna it's, die. 
right. It's nature. <laughs> you know, I mean, we live with this stuff on a daily basis. We really do. It's just, it's not at the forefront of our mind, but something like this happens and it, it makes us realize how <laughs> frail and fragile our lives really are. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be the type of person that you would see a freaking asteroid coming tra- straight towards us. And you're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Well, what am I going to do about it, man? I'm going to sit back, have a smoke, relax. <laughs> and kiss your butt goodbye. Yeah, what am I going to do? I can't change it. <laughs> uh, that's why I hate you so much. Um, <laughs> I would be, I'd be like, picture this. I would be like in front of you running around in circles trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do and where I'm going to go. I'm like, I'm going to die. 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 Like, oh, yeah. It, it'd be a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. And you'd be like just sitting back. Just smoke and be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> We're total opposites when it comes to that. <laughs> oh my god, we got we got more news for y'all. Uh, I said y'all <laughs> right here on the Navarro Miller Report. We got Jamie Lynn Spears cancels her, or actually uh, is not going on book tour after her last interview. We'll let you know the details. Welcome back to the Navarro Miller Report, and um. Jamie Lynn Spears, she uh, she's not going to do a book tour, actually, uh, basically because she just doesn't want to. She, according to sources, she doesn't she didn't do she didn't write this book to technically make money off of it or try to, you know, just she did it for more of self therapy trying to get the stuff that she experienced out there, some emotions, some stuff that she had inside. She wanted to get it out there. So that's the reason why she wrote this book. It wasn't for purposes of fame or fortune or book sales. None of that. That's the reason why she's decided not to do a book tour, uh, according to to sources near her. And she also wants to um, pretty much donate a portion of the book sales to uh, charities, but she doesn't want to go ahead and reveal what charities those are because she says that uh, basically last October she try she want she named off charities that she was gonna uh, donate from the book sales, and they decided to reject her gesture uh, because of all the backlash that she received from uh, from the book itself, from the stuff that that was in it, it and pretty much it has a lot to do with uh, Britney Spears and uh, former co-hosts of, of uh, uh, former co-stars and such things like that, that uh, that basically they, they rejected it and they wanted to have nothing to do with it. Now, over the weekend, obviously, Jamie, she was she was on it. She was she just did an interview. She's done a couple of interviews. Britney's been watching and she has been uh, very disappointed, very unhappy. She went on a Twitter rampage over the weekend and um she, it was just a lot of stuff that she was telling her sister at first uh, the first tweet that she pointed out or that she put out there had to do with uh she was very sick she had over a 100 degree fever uh and she said that she was watching it in a 100 degree fever and she was just completely disgusted uh by what her sister was saying uh in regards to her and the relationship etc then she went on another tweet uh just a couple of days ago very angry because in her book in jamie lynn's book she claims that britney locked both of them in a closet and britney had a knife and this is something that britney couldn't believe her ears she couldn't believe what what she was listening or reading or whatever so she went on another tweet and said how could you pretty much saying how could you say something like that i would never do that i mean why are you putting these lies out there like that so britney was very upset about that to the point that finally uh, this uh, this week, or either it was uh, yesterday or today, it was one of those one of those two days that Jamie Lynn decided to pretty much tell her sister uh, via uh, you know, Instagram, basically saying, "Quote, Brittany, just call me. I have attempted many times to speak to you directly and handle this privately, like sisters should, but you still choose to do everything on a public platform." In the meantime, please stop continuing the narrative that I haven't been there for you or that I'm making things up. I'm happy to share how many times I've reached out to you, supported you, and tried to help. This is embarrassing and it has to stop. Love you. So, um, and this is this is because of a because of a tweet that actually Brittany tweeted on Saturday, which said, quote, Jamie Lynn, I don't think your book is about me at all. I said some harsh things because you obviously hurt me by the things you are making up about me. 
When I said only a scum person would make up things like that about someone, I could have sworn I said, but you're not. So she, again, she, uh, Brittany went on like on a three-page Twitter, uh, 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 I guess, vent that she that she vented out. Uh, and, and again, like Jamie Lynn says that she's airing out a lot of uh, sister, <laughs> sister against sister, sibling rivalry uh, on social media that uh according to jamie should be handled in private now there are things uh, that britney said accusing jamie lynn that she wasn't there for her uh especially during the times because she's like you know i was treated a lot worse than you basically britney spears is telling jamie lynn in, in the tweet that she was treated a lot worse than she was that there was a lot of stuff that she needed her help as a sister she needed help and she wasn't there basically telling jamie lynn that their father should be in prison right now for the things that he did to her and just so many other things. I mean, if you want to check out the, the tweet, it's on Britney Spears' uh, Twitter, uh, tweeter, <laughs> Twitter page. And uh, yeah, I mean, but it seems like uh, things have calmed down. I don't know if uh, uh, Britney didn't respond to, to the, the Instagram post that she that Jamie Lynn posted. So, I mean, silence is golden. It's, it's possible that maybe Britney is trying to chat with her in private and just hash things out. Maybe they are. I'm not... I'm not going to get into the back and forth because none of us know who's telling the truth. Um, you know, Jamie Lynn's Jamie could be making it up. Um, Brittany could be not remembering. She could, you know, I mean, with the psychosis and everything else she was dealing with and as erratic as her behavior was, she might not remember doing those things. That's possible as well. But again we'll, we'll we're never going to know exactly you know what happened and and which of these stories may or may not be true what i can tell you is i don't agree with things like this being dealt with in social media and in a you know public forum back and forth you know your your sisters pick up the damn phone but let me say this i think jamie is a little hypocritical to say you know you trying to air our dirty laundry on a public platform and handle everything so publicly like excuse me you just wrote a book airing all your sister's dirty laundry yeah um <laughs> par <True. laughs> par pardon me you just wrote a book airing all your your sister's dirty laundry publicly and then she responds publicly to you and you say oh you shouldn't be doing this publicly really hypocrite much um you know that that doesn't work for me you don't you don't get to be you know you don't get to be all pissy because you know your sister did the same thing you did i i, I don't get it i don't get that part i mean you have siblings you know jeremy i mean like how would you feel if one of your siblings wrote a book about you know the the things that you went through and you know then try to say but i love you <laughs> I mean, that was part of the thing that killed me when I read that. She was like, but I love you, Brittany. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, first of all, all my dirty laundry has been, you know, aired. Already. Very true. Very so, true. <laughs> you know, already I, for that. I, I wouldn't care too much. And they probably have a hard time selling that book. But uh, nice. because nice. all, the, all the info's out there. But um <laughs> Oh, I'm sure we could find some more. Well, let sure me just say, you know, I, I when when I wrote the book that I wrote with my dear friend Brandon, um, which shame, shameless plug, it's called, uh, you know, When I Wished Upon a Star, Brandon Phillips, Jeremy Miller. Um, when we wrote the book, I mean, it's a biography on both of our sides, both of our stories. And in the process, as we were writing it, when we got a, a finished version, um, at least to begin with, before it was edited multiple times, we made sure the people in our lives read it. We made sure the people who were involved in those stories were okay with them being shared. So that headed off any potential issues or problems we could end up with down the road. And nothing was removed from the book but maybe something was changed in the way we presented it so on and so forth but that's in my opinion how you go about doing something like this you know you're going to write a tell-all book or you're going to write something like that you know you, you ought to have some understanding between the people you're talking about and yourself before you move forward true true and well i mean it just it's it's a really 
it's a tough situation for the sisters right now. Hopefully they're able to to hash things out. I mean, they are family after all. I mean, Brittany's main problem was with her father, uh, not with her sister. As a matter of fact, if anything, she she was trying to pretty much protect her sister as much as she could, as a big sister usually does, and was just more, she just felt more betrayed more than anything from Jamie Lynn. So, you know, I mean, hopefully they're able to actually like talk things out and reconcile because they are sisters after all they they can definitely i mean you definitely can't trust trust your father you did i mean you can't trust jamie spears uh but they only have each other so hopefully they're able to reconcile and hopefully britney has her little sister back and uh that's all we can hope for at this point in other entertainment news scream goes ahead and shatters Spider-Man No Way Home at the box office over this four-day weekend. I would have never thought it possible that a slasher film would go ahead and go over a superhero movie, but it did. According to Variety.com, it says, quote, Scream dethroned Spider-Man No Way Home over the four-day Martin Luther King weekend, Jr. weekend, becoming the first film to unseat the superhero phenomenon since it debuted on December 17th. The slasher revival grossed 34 million from 3,664 locations to top the box office. The impressive haul means that Paramount and Spyglass Media, the companies behind the reboot, will have one very profitable movie in their on their hands. Scream cost a mere 25 million to produce. Can you believe that? It only cost 25 million. <laughs> That's just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, but think about what type of, you know, it's not a huge special effects thing. All you've got is a few blood packets and things like that. It's, it's, <laughs> you, you, it's mean, hold on. A, you mean corn syrup? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's got, um, you know, it's done in a small town where you, you know, are you don't have a lot of scenic shots. You don't have a lot of hard shots. So it, it makes sense that it could be done on a slightly lower budget. Um, I'm not terribly shocked that it that it surpassed um, Spider-Man. Well, that's because you know, that's because is, well, that's because we talked about this, Jeremy. You're starting to become like kind of like superhero. That's, I'm that, done with it. <laughs> that's not why. That's not why. Um, I'm not really shocked because a it was not opening weekend for Spider-Man. Let's just say that right now. Okay, opening weekends are all about expectation. True. and how excited people are to go see it. Now, this is a nostalgic slasher horror film that has a huge following that people love and people are nostalgic for. So, of course, there's going to be a huge hype for people going out to see it. But I've heard very mixed reviews about it. Some good, some bad. Let's see how it does over the next few weeks. Again, Spider-Man's been out for weeks. They didn't break Spider-Man's opening weekend record. They just passed them this week. So had they come out at the same time, I'd be willing to bet that the expectation and excitement for Spider-Man would have beaten out Scream by far. But we, you know, we'll know over the next few weeks if people keep coming back to see this. I've never put as much stock in opening weekend numbers, you know, like like most of the industry seems to. Because yeah, you can have a great opening weekend and it can literally fall off a cliff because people are excited, they go, and then they're so disappointed and they're like, what is this piece of crap? That the numbers just plummet. They absolutely crater after the first week. And we've seen it with many, many films. So we'll see how this goes. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't buy into all the hoopla just yet. Uh, let's see if they can keep these numbers up. And if, you know, fans are actually returning to see it and telling people about it and all that stuff that gets a film, you know, a long stay in the theaters. But I, I, I just don't put much behind opening weekend numbers. Well, not only that, but I mean, remember that Spider-Man had a lot of press behind it, like a ton of press behind it. So that also boosted the sales as well. They put a lot of hype behind Spider-Man. Here's the difference. They put a lot of hype behind Spider-Man, which could be a contributing factor as to why it did so well in the theaters. They didn't put much hype behind Scream, and it still did better than Spider-Man. So in that this, could say something. In this weekend. But again, you're pitching, you're pitching, uh, pitting uh, opening weekend numbers against been in the theater for over a month numbers. True. That's, that's a very different thing. 
Spider-Man has been good enough and I've heard great things about it, but it's been good enough that people are going back. People are telling people about it. A month later, people are still going to the theater to see it. True, there's still talk about that, it. That, even that has nothing to do with how it was hyped. You know, that, that may be for an opening weekend, but now it's about, oh man, I've heard this is great. I got to go see it. Yeah. And if Scream doesn't generate that same response, it will not produce the, you know, similar numbers. It's going to, those numbers are going to drop. That's very true. You're right about that. We're just going to have to, I'm, I'm curious to see exactly. I'm like, like I said it before last week, I hope that they pay, pay the homage to Wes Craven correctly. Uh, according to that interview between Nev Campbell, um, Courtney, Courtney, uh, Courtney Cox and David Arquette, uh, they, they did, they did, uh, West Craven justice. So here's hoping that they did that. I'm curious to see it. I'm, I'm a scream fan. I love, I love all the scream movies. I actually own all the scream movies. I, it's one of my, one of my, uh, one of my guilty pleasures right there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm both movies. I want to see I still, I still haven't seen Spider-Man and I still want to go see it. Uh, and now I want to see Scream because I want to see how they did with that one, too. So those are all curiosities for me. In other entertainment news, Keanu Reeves, uh, in an interview with, uh, I believe it was with uh, Stephen Colbert, uh, went ahead and uh, talked about, he chatted pretty much, uh, yeah, it was, it was on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. He talked about how he just, he got two autographs from, from two different uh, actors at one point because even even big stars like Keanu Reeves, they fan out when they see, when, when they see other celebrities as well. And uh, one of them like was, one of them was more of, a, of a, an autograph for a friend of his. Uh, the, he ended up getting he ended up getting uh, Lou Reed from the Velvet Underground. He ended up getting uh, his autograph for a friend of his. But the other one was from the late comedian George Carlin, which was his co-star in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And uh, he <laughs> was funny about this situation is that Keanu pretty much said that quote. I asked for another George Carlin. Yeah, he gave me an autograph. It was really funny. He wrote, I think it was, Dear Keanu, F you. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he continued on to say, quote, I always thought he just wrote that for me. And then I met someone else who said that he wrote the same thing to them. Anyway, beautiful. So, I mean, that just, that sounds like something George Carlin would write for sure. I mean, if many, if you, if, if any of you don't know who George Carlin is, YouTube his comedy and you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's that's classic Carlin right there. Um, you know, the man used the F word as a punctuation mark. Um, <laughs> so it, it's absolutely perfect. And that's something that you would treasure because that is that's that's just so classically George Carlin. I mean, his his brash nature um, completely irreverent behavior that fits so well uh, that that'd be literally framed on my wall <laughs> oh yeah no totally i mean are you kidding me it's just oh my god his his comedy was incredible and you know he's he has been missed for many years because there's never another george carlin i mean his stuff was just so off the wall and it was ahead of its time to be honest with you a lot of his comedy was ahead of his time i mean today if if george Collin were to do uh, any stand-up he'd be a part of the cancel culture i would think oh most most likely he'd be canceled in a heartbeat um you know george was very ahead of his time i mean if you look at you can find um footage of him doing shows in black and white back in the 60s i mean talking about some very provocative stuff and one of the things that made george carlin such an absolute uh, brilliant comedian was his level of intelligence okay because this was not dumb comedy this was not easy comedy this was comedy that made you think this was well thought out points and narratives in comedy and it's one of the things that george carlin was truly unique for true true and speaking of uh comedians and uh, trying to pretty much bite their tongue nowadays because of cancel culture. I mean, you had uh, last week, you had Steve Harvey actually make comments in regards to exactly that. He went ahead and said, quote, we're in the cancel culture now. Nobody can say anything he wants to. Chris Rock can't. Kevin Hart can't. Cedric the Entertainer can't. Deal Hughley can't. 
I can go down the list. The only person that can say what they want to say on stage is Dave Chappelle because he's not sponsor driven. He's subscription. If I had if I had tried to continue as a stand up, there's no way I could maintain it because political correctness has killed comedy, has killed it. Every joke now, it hurts somebody's feelings. What people don't understand about comedians is that a joke has to be about something and has to be about somebody. We can't write jokes about puppies all the time. The joke can't be about bushes all the time. Some of these jokes have to be about people because that's the most interesting topic. So if I come back, I have to wait until I'm done with my TV career and I'm not done. I, I'd have to call it, this is it or something like that. And he's got a point. He, I mean, Steve Harvey's got a major point with that. He does and he doesn't. I'm gonna disagree with Steve Harvey here um, a little bit. He definitely has a point. He's right on a lot of things. This is something that is becoming a problem. We're seeing comedians being, you know, shut down and shamed for, you know, making jokes that, again, we're talking about George Carlin, Richard Pryor, guys like that. I mean, if we had this type of mentality back then, we would have lost out on years of brilliant comedic work. But on the other hand, there are plenty of comedians out there who don't rely on racist jokes. There are plenty of comedians out there who don't rely on putting down transgender and gay people. There are plenty of comedians who don't rely on being controversial to be funny. And for an example, if anybody'd like to go check him out, go check out Steve Hofstetter on YouTube. He's one of the most popular comedians on YouTube. He's a progressive comedian, so you will never hear anything racist. You will never hear anything. And it's hysterical. He's literally one of the most subscribed to comedians on YouTube. And the, the guy's brilliant. He's absolutely hysterical. He's got great material on there, full specials you guys can check out, but it can be done. So I, I don't agree with, with his point that, you know, you you have to cross those lines to be funny you don't i'm sorry you don't now well, if that's the act that you developed for yourself and you don't know how to get out of that that's on you but there are plenty of comedians out there who don't rely on being racist who don't rely on all of those what a lot of people consider cheap jokes well i mean honestly i in in my in my opinion you know at the end of the day I just look at it as it's kind of like it's kind of like changing the channel. You don't like what you hear, you change the channel. But I mean, at the same time, unfortunately, we live in a, in a society, as we talked about earlier, that social media goes ahead and makes it so that, well, if that comedian is saying it, then it must be okay. People don't have common sense anymore to separate what a comedian is saying versus what is reality. And that's what's very unfortunate right now. Uh, that that you know if if they say well a comedian is making fun of a gay person then that's okay we could go all make fun of them. that's not that's not that's not that's not it that's not it at all so I mean you know hopefully hopefully things will start changing as far as comedy goes we'll just have to wait and see when we return Jeremy you got some uh, news about uh, the hostage situation at that synagogue we'll go ahead and let you know what that's all about right after this. All right, make sure you tune in to Matt Grady in the Morning Crew, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. That's right, Matt, Matt Grady, Grady in the Morning, morning Crew, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Make sure you join us for that morning drive. We'll get you started for the day. DAVI Radio, Los Angeles. Welcome back to the Navarro Miller Report, right here on DAVI Radio, Los Angeles. Jeremy, you had some uh, news about what happened with uh, that hostage situation at that synagogue in Texas. Yeah, so as a lot of people I'm sure are already aware, we had a hostage situation in Texas over the weekend. We had a man named Malik Faisal Akram, a 45-year-old man um, who took four hostages inside the synagogue. Thankfully, um, all the hostages were brought out safe. The hostage taker lost his life in the hostage rescue. But now the more interesting things is people are beginning to break down the motives for this. And there's a large section who are screaming, you know, that this was an act against Israel, an act against the Jewish faith. 
And the FBI has come out very clearly and said, that is not what this is. This man didn't target a Jewish church or a Jewish synagogue because it was Jewish. He knew it was a place that he could get into, that he had been around. He posed as a homeless man to get into the service. It was an easily accessible place for him. And it was, from what the uh, FBI has learned, it was not specifically targeted at a synagogue. It could have been a church. It could have been anywhere he felt he could get into. He had a connection to this place and knew he could get in relatively easily with his weapon. Um, but people are, uh, there's a lot of backlash against the FBI. They're mm -hmm. saying, you know, they're, they're ignoring Israel and they're ignoring, you know, the, this threat to the Jewish people and stuff like that. But their evidence seems to show this was not targeted at a synagogue because it was a Jewish, you know, place of worship. It had nothing to do with it being a Jewish holy place. Um, you know, the fact that this man was trying to free a, uh, a terrorist, that was the whole purpose of this, is he wanted a terrorist who was being held in a prison in Fort Worth uh, to be released. And that was his sole purpose. This could have been a Christian church. This could have been anywhere that he could get easy access to. Um, so it's just it's kind of a back and forth right now with all of the hate crimes going on against the Jewish community. Um, I can understand that take and where they would feel like maybe this is being swept under the rug a bit. But at the same time, that's the FBI's job is to look at the evidence, you know, and, and see where this is going. And it appears that this was not specifically targeted at the Jewish faith. Well, I mean, one thing is for sure. Uh, we're glad that that's over, actually, regardless of, of anything else. We're glad that uh, that's over. It's unfortunate that there was loss of life, but uh, thankfully those people could actually go home to their loved ones. And we're very happy that that, uh, that situation has been completely defused. And uh, it just, it, it sucks. It sucks. There's, it always, it's always messed up when there's loss of life. That's for sure. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully things things will try to get better for those people that were hostages and uh hopefully they'll get uh ptsd treatment for for what they endured uh over the weekend uh in other news we have uh well today obviously would have been betty white's 100th birthday uh but unfortunately uh the actress comedian passed away right before the new year she actually uh she she um she passed away a few days before or a couple of weeks before her birthday. Uh, but as it stands, uh, her memory still lives on, lives on. And uh, they, many of her fans have issued the Betty White Challenge, uh, encouraging animal rights activism. And uh, it's been all over TikTok uh, so, because we all know that Betty White was a hardcore animal rights activist. She, she loved animals. Uh, and uh, it's all over TikTok. Many people have been uh, posting TikTok videos, playing the Golden Girls song in the background while they show their animals that they take care of and everything, which is really, really amazing because animals, they don't have anybody else but us to take care of them. So if you have a chance, donate to your local ASPCA or any type of uh, animal uh, uh, charity. Not uh, PETA. <laughs> you have an issue with Pete, I swear. You, yes, a big one, and I'll go off again. Donate easy, to somebody. Easy, easy. Donate Remember. to some. Donate to somebody who actually helps animals. Donate to the ASPCA. Do, donate to the Humane Society. Do, donate to. Do your research. There are thousands of great organizations that actually do great work. Please do not support PETA. They are trying to kill and take away your best friends well there you go <laughs> there you go that's jeremy's uh two cents on that one but i mean in essence yes go ahead and donate because there are a lot of animals out there that need the help of us humans they only have us to help them in honor of betty white continue to donate not just today but anytime that you can please donate to these uh, to these uh, organizations they need your help so uh, there's uh, there's that coming up next. We talk about NFL playoffs. <laughs> oh, man. Was it a crazy weekend? We'll let you know everything that happened right after this. All the hits. One station. D.A.V.R. Radio Los Angeles. Your day sounds better with Rashid Ali. The champ is here. 
the station with the best me best me best me best music best music i love the music best music every saturday from 2 to 6 p.m. on DAVR Radio Los Angeles Welcome back to the Navarre Miller Report on DABI Radio Los Angeles. Man, it is it was a wild wild card weekend, Jeremy. I mean, especially last night's game, Cowboys losing thanks to the referee. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh my God, the referee is going to be like, oh, it was just all bad. Well, no, uh, it, let, let, hold on. No, no, it wasn't actually. <laughs> I know I'm, it wasn't. Technically, it wasn't the no, referee. It's, it's not even it's not even technically the ref literally followed the rules. Correct. Yeah, they they have to touch and check the ball before it gets spotted. That's absolute. This was on. Um, Mike McCarthy and his call to go ahead and run the ball. Well, no, this was actually on Dak um, because he handed the ball afterwards to his center to go and try and spot it immediately. He tried to bypass the handing it to the refs. Ah. Had he handed it directly to the ref for the ref to check the ball and go over and spot it, they would have had two or three seconds to be able to spike that ball and try and run another play. But because he didn't follow the rules and hand the ball to the ref and he handed it to his center to try and bypass that, they got screwed. So that is on them 100%. This is this one is not on the refs, not at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got a point there. But at the same time, too, I mean, Dak could have, I mean, in the formation that I saw, they were covering the flats. He could have, he had, he probably had an opportunity to maybe, you know, throw it to his tight end, do a tight end attack, throw it down the middle because the middle was practically empty because they were covering the flats, the edges, so that way nobody could go out of bounds and stop the clock. There was only a few seconds left. He could, instead of running the ball, he could have thrown it to a tight end or one of his receivers down the middle, but he decided to run the ball, and that's what cost him. I mean, well, there's that argument, and there's the argument that McCarthy also called a punt when he should have gone for it on fourth down earlier in the game. So there's a lot of blame here for the Cowboys the mistakes that the Cowboys made here. Hold on. Let's let's not go back and rewrite history again. There's many points in every game that can be turning points. But the fact is, even with the call, even with Dak's run, they had a shot at winning. it. They had a shot to still have another play to try and win the game yet they didn't follow the rules and follow the standard protocol and it cost them they still could have won so all of those other things were not you know they i mean dak made that run you you trust your quarterback to make a judgment call he thought there was enough time and there was had he done what he should have done and just handed the ball to the ref true true i mean it again, you know that that cost that more than likely more more than anything cost them the game right there. Uh, so San Francisco advances; they go up against my Packers this week. Uh, we also Tampa Bay uh, was gifted, gifted. I don't care what anybody says; they were gifted that win yet again by the refs. There was at least two calls, and Philadelphia was downfield when those two calls happened against Philadelphia giving Tampa Bay the edge that they needed to beat Philadelphia by what about how much they did. Now, that's my two cents on that one because I watched the game and there was one there was one call that was just such BS where they called uh they called a uh uh, uh um uh, uh god uh, roughing out. the passer roughing the thank you roughing the passer <laughs> I'm all thank you. Uh they called a roughing the passer against Philadelphia. Now, the defender was going into Tom Brady and he hit him above the knee on the thigh. Now, anything below the knee is considered roughing the passer, not above it. Even the announcers said it. So they they even said, I think that was a bad call. And there was a couple of other ones after that. What came back to my mind was deja vu for what happened at the conference championships against the Packers. Same thing. Refs were just giving Tampa Bay, the calls like crazy. It was just such BS, in my opinion, that that's the reason why the Eagles lost. And now Tampa Bay advances, Bills 
that was that was a slaughter. <laughs> I'm not let, even let, go me, let me let me let me let me let me give my two cents here on the on the uh, Eagles oh, God. thing. Um, first wrong. of first of all, <laughs> the Eagles are a mediocre team with a rookie, not rookie, but very young, inexperienced quarterback. They were never going to beat Tampa I, Bay. I know that, but it they didn't were make never going. No, 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 no. They were never going to beat Tampa Bay. It was not going to happen. I'm, so, I'm sorry. They are a mediocre team. Tampa Bay's defense has been coming together the last few weeks, just like they did last year before the playoffs. They're playing ferociously. They Most of the year, the plan against Tampa Bay was to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. What happened to Philadelphia? They got stuffed every time they tried to run the ball. Tampa Bay's defense raised it another few levels. And as much as I dislike the guy, do you really think Tom Brady was going to go down to and lose to Jalen Hurts? No, I know that they would have so probably don't, more than likely. So don't, not more than likely. There was no way Philadelphia was going to win this game. I would have bet my house on it. Uh, there was no way. I don't care what the refs did. I can't it stand was, Tom Brady. It was never going to happen. I can't stand him. Anyways, other than my disdain for Tom Brady and the, and the, and the Buccaneers, uh, the Bills also advanced, and so did Kansas City. Both those the both those games were pretty much one-sided, if you ask me. Um, and the Bengals, that's another one that was a little one-sided as well. So well, the Raiders really came out and played. Um, I got to say that game could have been a big blowout. It really could with the way Cincinnati was playing and how, how well they looked, you know, at first the Raiders really upped their game. I thought they brought it. They played probably one of the better games they could play as a team. Um, and you know, they had a shot at it. Uh, but Yes, if you watch that game, it looked like a very one-sided game, no matter what the store, you know, final score ended up saying. Yeah, no, it was definitely, it was definitely, there was a lot of mistakes that were made. Props to the Raiders for getting this far. I mean, if you really think about it, after all the stuff that they've been through this entire year, uh, as far as staff goes, as far as players Screw go. the Raiders. I, hey, I'm not a fan either, but I got to give them a little bit of props that they made it this far. So a little bit, not much, but a little bit. I mean, I, I, you and I both know they weren't going to make it to the Super Bowl. Come on. They were never going to make it. No. But, you know, they did get farther than they have in the past. How many years? It's been a while. Yeah. So, I mean, at least a little bit of something, something there. So I ask you now, what do you think this week is going to look like? I mean, obviously, we still have the Rams playing today. So yeah, we still got the we still got the toss up game in my opinion the Arizona and the Rams, um, like I said, man, that's a, that's a, that game is really a toss up and um, I I'm not sure I believe Cooper Cup um, might be on the injured list. I don't know if he's going to be playing in this game. That'd be a huge loss for the Rams. We'll see how that goes tonight. Definitely, definitely see how that goes. And we'll definitely see how this week goes because it's going to be one heck of a, of a, of a, what is it, semifinals or whatever to the, to the NFL. We'll see who goes forward. I'm hoping the Packers, you know, are able to beat, uh, the Niners, that's going to be a pretty interesting if game. If you guys have... don't beat the Niners, I'm going to laugh so hard. <laughs> I'm going to bang my head in the freaking wall if we don't <laughs> beat the Niners, I swear. <laughs> but I have I have faith in my boys that in Lambeau Field, they'll do pretty well. So well, we'll just have I, to wait and see what happens. I honestly do, too. I mean, it's Green Bay at home playing against a team who just kind of was playing out of their above their general level. Um, I'm not sure San Francisco can sustain that, and uh, I'd, I'd be willing to bet on Green Bay. We'll see what happens. That's the news. In case you haven't heard it, thank you so much for joining us again on DABI Radio Los Angeles. Uh, make sure to tune in every Monday and Friday from 6 to 7 p.m. right here on the station. As for me, I'm out of here. I'm Dave Navarro alongside with this guy right here. Jeremy Miller, it's been great talking to you guys. We'll go ahead and see you next time. You have been listening to the Navarro Miller Report.
For all of your real estate needs, contact the Davenport Realty Group at 323-239-0239. That's 323-239-0239. And remember, your real estate dreams are just a phone call away. Right here at DAVI Radio, Los Angeles. All the hits. One station. DAVI Radio, Los Angeles. Your day sounds better with Rashid Ali. The champ is here! The station with the best, me, best, me, best, me, best music. Best music. I love the I music. Love the music. Best music. Every Saturday from two to six p.m. on DAVR Radio, Los Angeles. Gotta get it. Hey, what's up, everyone? Make sure you tune in every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to On the Ride Home with me, your host, Dave Navarro, right here on DAVI Radio, Los Angeles.